What is going on, everyone? It is me, the Lone Vault Wanderer, and welcome to the Ham Radio Podcast for this week. I'm a lazy fuck and didn't check what the number was, but I'm pretty sure you guys don't care. It's like 60 or something plus. It's 12. <laughs> and as you can hear, I'm hosting the podcast for today because we don't have Maddie and we don't have Noah, so I decided to get a picture of two kangaroos fucking as their little picture on screen. Because why not? And we have two guests today. We have Nova and Peyton. I'll get Nova to introduce himself first because he's been... Hello, I'm Mr. Nova Plays. <laughs> you can follow me at MrMattyPlays at YouTube.com. What, what what videos do you do on YouTube, Nova? Uh, you know, hmm. strips. Yeah, yeah. You, you, CSGO you... weapon skins. <laughs> All the hot stuff. Oh, you're getting oh, that YouTube map. And secondly, we have Peyton, who goes on Twitter by at DogToothCG. By the way, all the Twitter handles are on screen, so follow everyone on screen. And yeah, Peyton, introduce yourself. All right. Uh, hi, I'm Peyton, otherwise known as DogToothCG. You probably know me from making a crap ton of power armor for Fallout 4. Yes. Among yes. other things. So the one that we so. most know, well know you by is the NCR armor. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Do you the know MCR how many downloads that has now? I don't. It's probably One. a lot. No, Nova will check that for me. He'll do the fact checking. Oh, oh, give me a second. I'll go <laughs> Google that now. But then I it's also that. on Nexus and Bethesda Net, so like... That's true. Oh, it's going to have more on Bethesda. Yeah. That's interesting, baby. Um, before we get started today, do they give you the, the metrics for mods downloaded on Bethesda.net? Um, I'm not sure. I don't actually upload... The mods, that's uh, an Actium. Ah, okay. So I just see what else does. Cool, cool. Well, today after the Bethesda news, we're going to have a bit of a discussion with Peyton about just him creating the mods he's created, his experiences, and what's it actually like to create these really, really well-known and great mods for Fallout 4. And I'm sure he's modded in the past with New Vegas and Fallout 3, is that correct? Oh, yeah. I, I've been around. Yeah, there we go. Ever. Alrighty, so we have... a. Uh, Three pieces of Bethesda news. This is a really quick roundup because it was the last together I put it, you know, all together. Um, and nothing too exciting happening this week. Of course, we have Fallout 4's Voltec Workshop being released on 26th of July. And on Bethesda.net, Bethesda decided to write up a bit of an uh, article on the, um, on the DLC. And it's actually not just purely mechanical or mechanics-based. There's actually a quest that goes with it. So no maybe shit. that'll satisfy the needs of, of people in the community. But if you bear with me, I'm going to be reading the main points of this particular article. It might take a while, and I apologize. But there is some interesting and juicy information in here. So again, the vault Workshop DLC arrives on July 26th on PC, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. Um, if you're above level 20, you'll hear a distress beacon no matter where you are in the world, alerting you to an emergency emergency situation at Vault 88. And I apologize if I have a list because braces, back of my teeth, whatever. Because you're a nerd. <laughs> I, I'm a fucking nerd. Give me your lunch money. <laughs> you will meet the Vault's uh, rather strange overseer, the only surviving res- resident of Vault 88. She's been trapped down here alone and has turned into a ghoul. In fact, the bombs went... Bu- went off before her vault could be completed and she has spent the last 200 years waiting to build it. You'll start by interviewing some potential new settlers. Interesting. Searching for the perfect subject for all of your nefarious tests. From there, you will be tasked with running a series of experiments, each with different outcomes, depending on the choices you make. Will you be a benevolent leader or a cruel tyrant? Or maybe somewhere in the middle? Um... And then a quote by the lead designer on the vault Workshop. He says that this is the first workshop add-on that actually has quests associated with it, which is interesting. Um, now, let's talk about a bit of the interior design for this workshop DLC. Once you have access to this massive new interior space, you'll need plenty of things to fill it. There's a whole suite of vault-specific pieces you can build. Hallways, atriums, rooms, stairs, bridges, and vault doors. It looks like the stuff you see when you explore a vault in the game. You can use all of that to lay out your vault however you want. You'll also have access to clean furniture, new vault vault tech themed decorations, the experiment-related items you created during the quest part of the add-on, and the newly added barber and surgeon chairs. And they say that this add-on comes with a ton of resources. And you can also search within your vault as well to find new items, but there are creatures that potentially are there that can, that can attack you, which is also interesting. And the last bit, into the sunlight. You're not stuck solely behind uh, from the vault kit in this new underground space. If you want to mix and match with barns, warehouses, shacks, cat paintings, or anything else, you can do that too. 
Once you finish up the quest line, you're also free to spread the Vault Tech Love to your other settlements. Everything you're able to craft in Vault 88 can be used in any other buildable area. You won't be able to dig underground, but you could build that Sky Vault on Spectacle Island that you've always dreamed about. So, I think the most interesting bit about this, uh, for people that keep clamoring for story-based DLC from Bethesda, is the fact that there are quests, and there seems to be some sort of a narrative and story with vault Workshop. Peyton, let's get your views on everything I've just pretty much said, and specifically about the fact that this uh, DLC has quests in it. Oh, well, mm. uh, I love quests. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually have not had an opportunity to play through Far Harbor, and I haven't finished the base game yet. Oh, but... Lemming's down. Nah, I get you. I, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a real fan. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, mm. you know, I've been not disappointed with the Workshop DLCs. I know a lot of this stuff is predominantly uh, has been cut before or needed to be mm. um, for production reasons. Yeah. So it, it seems fair to me that they would reintroduce all this stuff, at least with paid DLC. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing that was missing was that quest aspect. You know, yeah. it's For me, playing these games, a lot of it comes down to how immersed I am in the game world. Mm. And when suddenly I can go from crafting ramshack uh, steel-plated houses to suddenly being able to have a full-on manufacturing machine, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me without any sort of quest to back it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's interesting because touching on the fact that, you know, people love quests, you said that straight away, and many people, as I said, have been clamoring for stories and something actually interesting to do with this DLC, as opposed to here's a bunch of items with no particular context, with no particular reason, build whatever you want. And it makes sense when you look at it as a game, but doesn't make sense in the context of the world, not so much. So I guess the fact, though, that there is a bit of a story to this, it, it, it gives it a bit of a, a contextual aspect. You're going to this vault, you see this overseer, and they're like, all right, let's do some experiments on some potential settlers. And to me, that sounds interesting. What, what, what do you think, Nova? I am fucking excited for this. <laughs> I, I know you I, are. I love the settlement building because it's basically like I just enjoy building things and blowing away too much of my time. Yeah. I fucking love vaults. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, guess what? You get all of those mm. and you get slot machines and you get little bikes to make the fatties run on. <laughs> you get you get a world of pain to give to people. <laughs> what more can I ask for? And you can perform experiments on people and I think that's gonna be the most interesting thing. I would I'm really curious as to what kinds of experiments we can actually do because we know that not so much with Fallout Four, but definitely with Fallout Three in New Vegas, the past vaults that have existed some of the experiments that went on were pretty fucked up. One of them that I remember was um, there was one guy that was stuck in a vault with just a, a crate of puppets. I, I, I believe the the shoddy cast mentioned that in a video of theirs. If that if they made their, that video up or that idea up, I'm sorry, but I, I believe that's one of the uh, the vaults vault experiments that happened, and also it, as well, yeah. yeah, vault experiments with uh, a vault having one Gary. man and, and, and 99 women or 99 men Gary. and one woman, just fucked up shit like that. So I'm interested Gary. to see <laughs> Carrie. So Peyton, what kind of um, experiments would you like to run on your own settlers in your vault? You know, I don't think we're going to be able to have the amount of options that I'm hoping we will. Yeah. Personally, I would like to run experiments more focused on uh, genetic mutation, actually yeah. adapting to the wasteland, mm-hmm. rather than monitoring people's heart rates on bicycles. This would seem to be um, kind of restricted in terms of what Bethesda is actually providing for to us. Like, as you said, running these genetic experiments, it's not something that you can just do without Bethesda actually giving us the mechanics and the items to do such a thing. But the thing is, I think that we might get at least some sort of options because there are quests associated with it. So if there is like 10 quests, for example, one is do this genetic experiment on this settler. Another one is test how this settler operates in this particular scenario. We could get a bit of that, but I I agree with you that there might not be as many options as people might think. But what about you, Nova? What what kind of experiments would you like to perform? Um, just make everyone use the slot machines nonstop, just to gamble their hearts away. I know you can. No, I don't. 
Nova. I can, exactly. I want to watch <laughs> them lose their house. I want to watch them slowly realize they're running out of time and money and watch them die. So, so this is going to be a sl- slow experiment about the house always Dead. wins. Mm. Yes, quite literally. I want the default to be a house, quite literally. That kills them slightly. I changed my mind. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Uh, I'm thinking, like, again, if Bethesda actually provides us with these options, something more along the lines of, I don't know, I, I, I want to test people's resolve. I, I remember this one quest, I think it was New Vegas, where there was five people in the vault and it was pretty much... Oh, it wasn't five people. There was a bunch of people in the vault, and every year they had to sacrifice someone. And the moment they stopped sacrificing people, they would find out that they actually won the experiment. Now, that's a really bl- bad description. It could be really incorrect, oh, but it's, along it's a those great lines. Fault. So, so can, can you describe it a bit more, Nova, if you remember it? One sec. Literally a second. One. He's Googling. He's Googling the answers, guys. Just I'm pointing that out. That is a really great vault, though. It is a really great vault. What do you remember with your experiences of that vault, Peyton? Uh, Well, it's effectively um, every year they have to elect someone to be the sacrifice so that the vault doesn't kill them all. Yeah. Um, And it devolves into great political power plays, Mm -hmm. um, eventually resulting in one woman uh, murdering someone to become elected yeah. And then I forget if she refused to become the sacrifice yeah. or if that happened later, but eventually the population of the vault died down to the point where it was just faction wars inside. And when there were very few people left, they decided, screw this, yeah. we're not going to sacrifice anyone. And then they get the vault tech message, congratulations. Your uh, raw humanity. <laughs> that's so that's so messed up, though. And that, as far as I remember, and and I haven't explored Fallout Four as much as I would have liked to to try and test this, but Fallout Four didn't really have many vaults with those fucked up experiments. Am I wrong in saying that, or did I just not explore Fallout Four as much as I should have? Oh, you didn't. You're terrible at the game. Really, really, Nova? Is there a bunch yeah, of vaults yeah. experiments? Yeah. Um... There's a children one filled with child soldiers. There's one filled with drug addicts, and there's one making poor rich people poor. Wait, one filled with drug addicts? Is that it? Uh yeah. There, no, no. It's they, they. It was. It's. I can't remember which photo it is. It's the one you have to take Kate to, but it's filled with people who were drug addicts, and they put them in the vault, and then they went. By the way, here's a ton of drugs. So, so there. I see on Google, trusty friend that there are about five vault locations that have creepy backstories. Now, is that less in other games or more? I, I don't I don't know. It sounds about the same, to be honest. Um, but it, again, going back to the point of this DLC, I am really interested to see what Bethesda is actually going to allow us to do and how fucked up we can get. They say that we can be a cruel tyrant or a benevolent leader, so it seems like there's a number of different options or routes that we can take. And I think that hopefully they give us you know many options that people that really like story-based dlc look at this and say hey this is actually a really good dlc um i i guess i'll ask you nova what kinds of uh quests or um experiments do you think bethesda is actually going to provide it to us do you think it's going to be a lot of them or, or maybe not as much I feel the quest will be slightly long will be longer than i expect because like automatron or even... longer have you, have you probably, I, I have. I'm thinking possibly a bit longer. Because, because I feel like I feel like what it's going to be is no, but I don't feel like it's going to it's going to be a lot of we. You can build this, but to get that, you'll need to go to this location and yeah. get like oh, if you want to build the super bike four thousand, you have to <laughs> go to go to my house and it's under the bed. That, oh, by the way, so like it'll be stuff like that. It'll be stuff like that. It'll be you'll have to go. I'm, it's, you know, whatever. And there'll be some, like, I'm wondering how the interviewing people is going to go. Super bike fun. I can imagine hours. the interviewing people, you just sit down and like, all right, are you going to be good in this vault? Uh, can, yeah. can you, can Get on you the Super Bike 4000. <laughs> I can imagine Nova, like, getting people to ride, run on bikes. and see Ride that ass, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, any last remaining th- thoughts about this DLC? Are we looking forward to it, you know? 
are, are we hoping yes. Bethesda takes it in a certain direction? I know you're excited. What about you, Peyton? Are, are you looking forward to this DLC? Oh, definitely. It's the only one I don't own yet, but yeah. I am very, very excited. Not only just to have everything in it and the new features it will allow us to work with, yeah. but also it's just cool. Hmm, it is. Now, I know, um, and I don't know if uh, you have more information about this, Peyton, but there is a mod that has similar mechanics, like you can create your own vault, but I don't believe it has this quest and story and narrative behind no, it. it. Do, do, do you know, Nova? You've played it? I've, I've played it. It just goes, here's the entrance to a vault. We'll give you some world, some pieces. It's an empty hellscape of greyness. Yeah. It's like I, I go for what, what, like as a modder, like doing it himself. I'm like, bravo. Yeah. But then I'm also like, I'm excited to see what Bethesda with like an official team doing it more than one person. True. Stuff like that, like what they can do. Mm. And and again, and, especially with the fact that only really Bethesda can do the story aspects and the quest aspects in the sense that they have the voice protagonists. They have Brian, they have Corny, so they can, you know, bring it out to its full ex- fullest extent. Whereas modders can't necessarily do that because they don't have those voice actors. Or typically, mods, even those that are quests, don't actually have voice actors, and, and they're typically all silent. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Bethesda's own uh, quest, or, or sorry, Vault DLC, stacks up to that previous mod. So we can move on to the next one, or next topic, QuakeCon. Um, those of you that are in the area, QuakeCon 2016 opens... Thursday, August 4th at 10am and will run to 12pm on August 7th. Uh, the annual QuakeCon welcome kickoff uh, will be at 3pm and will feature a special look at Quake Champions, which is quite fitting, in addition to attendee exclusive gameplay presentations of Prey and Dishonored 2. So, Good read, Falmer. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, we all know what it was like with Quake. Do, do we remember that Quake... Con uh, deal, sorry, QuakeCon stream was it last year or the year before? Where they were like, "Alrighty, guys, we're gonna show you some Doom." Those of you watching at home, see you later. This is, Fuck this off. Is just for the attendees. <laughs> what did we think about that, Peyton? Do you remember that? Um, I actually didn't pay a whole lot of attention to that. Okay. Um, How would I you feel? How would you feel if it was like? All right, there's a super awesome game that we're talking about, but we're only going to be showing the gameplay, which it seems like it's going to be happening now with Prey and Dishonored 2, to those that are, that are in attendance. Would that be like a blue balls to you? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, from a, from a corporate standpoint, I think it's a great idea. It is a great idea. It is. For the majority of people viewing at home, that would just be a gut punch from hell. Yeah. Well, what do you think, they- Nova? They could have just done, like, a massively timed, like, exclusive on it, especially with Prey, because have they announced a date for Prey 2 yet? Oh, I don't think they have a date. No, see, if, the, if Prey 2, Dishonored 2, I can go, okay, that one's still coming out relatively soon. Yeah. I kind of see that one. But if, if they do it to Prey 2, they're just dicks. Because it's like, <laughs> this game, what you don't know much about, what you don't really know when's coming out. I don't Fuck Maddie, off. Maddie would be upset about it, but... I, I guess to Peyton's point, it is a great idea in the sense that it drives ticket sales and it makes those that are actually in attendance and that took the effort of, of going to the show, it gives them a bit of uh, a, a good feeling because they're seeing this purely exclusive piece of footage or gameplay. But obviously there are people that... You don't have to rub that... it in their face. Yeah. You don't have to... You can, you can just do it after it. Don't be like, by the way, fuck off streamers. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> How about this? How about they just go, like, they end the, the stream as normal, and then they'll be like, all right, guys, for you, those of you that are still in attendance, we have this extra special gameplay footage. Would that be a better way as opposed to saying, we're going to end the stream now because we're showing these guys something more? Yes, I would prefer that. What, what about you, Aiden? What do you think? I think we would all prefer that, but I think it spurs on a lot more discussion in media. Yeah. But we're all you know, going to be looking forward to the, to the shaky mobile recording footage of Dishonored. Oh, on Pornhub. <laughs> oh, yeah. The it amount of time. Man in blue tights showing his ass to audience. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've watched that video more times than I can count. Is that still on Pornhub? Oh, God, no. they, they kept removing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I will be excited to see Prey 2 Groundhog Day up there mm. on Pornhub. Mm. That's so... Oh, yeah. God. But... Uh, you know, it, it is it is a shitty feeling, but I think most people understand why they're doing it. It's you know, 
for those people that go to the show, it it incentivizes them to go to the show, and it makes them feel better for actually being in attendance. Because I know not everyone can go. Obviously, people that are overseas and can't afford flights, etc. But those that do um, do take the effort of going, at least they're rewarded in some sort of manner, and I think that's okay. Because especially with what you said, Nova, Dishonored Two is coming out this year, so it's not like we're waiting for long, anyways. Prey 2 is the only one I'm going to be very upset if they're like, fuck off, you can't watch this. Dishonored 2, I'm like, eh, we'll see. We've seen a lot of that. Prey 2, we've seen nothing yet. We, we've seen that trailer. That, that is true. And they're probably going to be showing like a demo of some sort or a walkthrough of a quest, which I, some, I, know, I know people that like Prey would love to see. I want to see. I don't even. I haven't even played any of the Prey games. I'm just like, this looks interesting. Well, hold on, I want to be ground You sound like day. a fanboy and you haven't played it? I like space. <laughs> <laughs> Payton, have you played the original Prey at all? Um, I played about like 25 minutes of it when it first came out at yeah. my friend's house. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the beginning. Okay. And, and, and what, <laughs> what were your experiences of it? Like, if you were trying to pitch to me the, the beginning of Prey 2, sorry, the original Prey to get me excited to play it and potentially the sequel, how would you describe it? Oh, let's see how my memory stands up. This will be interesting. Uh, right, wh- whoever's watching this, don't fact check, okay? Like, this is all memory. play as Gordon Freeman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for real, I haven't played this game for more than, like, ten minutes. Um, um, what, what do you remember of it, at least? Just pitch it to us. We don't care if you make it up. Yeah. The intro was very, very compelling. Now, I, I do want you to correct me if I'm wrong here, but no, I, we weren't. I think <laughs> it was like a Native American protagonist. Interesting. Let's and Google. Pray. I've yeah. Googled it. His name is Tommy. He looks like such a bloody hipster. <laughs> Hold on. Tommy. Yeah, that's his official name, Tommy. Wait. He- oh, I did. Wait, is it? Is that is that him? His name is Damasi Tawodi. Okay, he looks like a, a Native American. His name's Tommy Asshole. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's this very compelling um, Native American protagonist, which we don't see very often. We don't at all, yeah. And if I recall, it starts out, you know, pretty familiar. And then very suddenly it goes, something happens and you end up on this spaceship. That that makes sense, yeah. That intro sequence to space was just like, oh my god, what is this? Mind-blowing. What game am I playing? I just, I've just searched up Tommy and I found what his girlfriend looked like. Looked like. Hmm. Holy shit. I, I have to just send you this picture and you need to, <laughs> like, ah, oh, okay. this game came out in 2006, what? What the hell? What is she? <laughs> Can you give um, the people watching this or listening to this a bit of context and maybe tell them what to search in Google to find this image? Oh, they can search it. Okay, so what... Just before you Google it, this is what she looks like. She looks like you had an elf plastic toy. You removed most of her clothing. You put a choker with, with a treasure chest around her neck and then threw in a microwave and then put Gary Busey's face on her. Her arms That's what are, it like, looks like, really contorted and weird. Torted. That's the first thing I noticed about that. Uh, her breasts have a, a texture line on them, right down the middle. I just noticed, like where the textures are clashing. Oh no! So, so this is like a 2006 game, I recall, correct? Is there a better photo of her? Is, is that just a bad <laughs> shot? No, I'm curious just... now. <laughs> but to, to wrap this piece of news up, look, those of you that do go to QuakeCon, congrats, enjoy it. You know, being able to see exclusive footage is something that would be really cool and it will give you a special feeling. So, you know, those of you that are looking forward to Dishonored 2, at least that's coming out this year. Pray not so much, but maybe we'll see shaky mobile footage on Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> and the last Bethesda news is about the Elder Scrolls Skyrim Special Edition or the remaster. So we know that this game is coming out October 28th on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. We know that it remasters Elder Scrolls Skyrim we know that it gives you know things like uh, new art and effects, volumetric god rays, dynamic dynamic depth of field. I hate depth of field, by the way. I, I'm re- I'm a real stickler for that, mm. and uh, <laughs> and all these other things. Um, it also brings the power of mods to the console, which is still not sorted out on PS4 yet, unfortunately. But 
It's in their best Have interest. Crimea River. It's oh, it's in their best interest to do so because if they promised console modding and it's not prepared, you know, by the time Skyrim Special Edition comes out, then they're going to have issues. So, of course, I, I think they're going to pull it off, but we'll see. Um, it can't, and now it says it has this new quests, environments, characters, dialogue, armor, weapons, and more with mods. There are no limits to what you can experience, which is true. And that's not all. If you own the PC version of Skyrim and all of its add-ons, Dawnguard, Hearthfire, and Dragonborn on Steam, you'll get a free upgrade to Skyrim Special Edition when it releases. The same applies to anyone who owns the Legendary Edition on Steam. This means, obviously, that if you, for example, had previously owned the game on Xbox 360 or PS3, that if you just have an Xbox One or PS4, you would need to buy the whole thing for 60 bucks. Now, the reason why I'm talking about this now, we knew all of that that I just described, is because people are questioning the value of this game at a $60 price point. Now, I would be someone that argues, and people might call it, say that I'm defending Bethesda or whatever, that it's pretty good value. And I would find it hard practically to say, all right, let's say if you own the game on Xbox 360 or PS3, um, if you just had the disc, it would be very hard to determine whether you actually own that copy of the game, especially if you sold it, or especially if you bought it, like a secondhand copy of it, to justify giving you this entire thing for free. On Steam, it makes sense, because you can see in your Steam library, you have this game, or the Legendary Edition, and all of the DLC, it's much more easier to determine that. And I think that's why it's not actually practically possible to do so on Xbox One and PS4. But nevertheless, what do we think about the value of this game at a $60 price point, bearing in mind that people have owned it in the past, potentially, and have already played it in the past? We'll start with you, Peyton. Uh, I actually think it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, now, depending on who you are, if you've owned it before, how exhaustive you were in your playthrough, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people buy Skyrim and kind of rush through the main quest and sell it, <laughs> versus other people who have it and never finish it ever. Yeah. Um, I think if you played the game exhaustively, it may not be worth it at all for you yeah um but for those that have never finished the game never really done a whole lot with it just kind of got bored or haven't played it at all i definitely think the remastered version is going to be definitely worth the price yeah and can i ask you as someone that obviously is a is a well-known mod has a lot of experience how does this this remaster of Skyrim compare to the mods that are available for Skyrim, if you know that anyways. Like, what what? how would you compare it to some of these mods that are out there? Is it better? Is it worse? Is it on par? Is it depending on which uh, mods you actually install in terms of graphics-wise and E&Bs? How does it actually compare to what's out there in the modding community? Um, I mean, it, it definitely depends on what you're getting, and yeah. I should probably preface my opinions in the modding community are not that popular. Okay. Uh, I, I don't do a whole lot of actual modding. I'm predominantly just an artist. Fair enough. Um, but as far as visuals, when it comes from the original source, mm. they have access to the back end of the EXE. Yep. They have access to the original uncompiled shaders and the source textures. So anything they do is immediately off the bat going to be to a higher quality mm. on a baseline. Yeah. Um, that's always able to be improved upon by people who have no limitations of production, no limitations of budget, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in combination, you know, this is not uh, an ENB release where it may be geared towards people with super top tier computers. Yeah. All it's really doing is bumping up the framework behind everything yeah. to a more modern level. So if you've got, you know, your 4K textures, your super high-end ENB that doesn't run on anything less than a 980 Ti, <laughs> um, your total mesh overhaul, so everything is round as hell, yeah. and all this other stuff, yeah, your game is going to look better generally. For the most part, you're mm-hmm. still going to see small areas where the remastered edition does look better. Yeah. But overall... A modded base game will be capable of overshadowing um, the re-release. So something I should touch on is 
Uh, as far as I know, ENBs work because they don't have a hook to, probably shouldn't get into technical stuff, but mm. pretty much the depth perception of the engine. So it's all kind of overlaid on top. Yeah. It's the last thing to be shown. Yeah. So that's something that ENB will not be able to fix unless they can find that hook. Okay. Uh, whereas the developers themselves obviously have access to the back-end render pipeline, mm. so they can just do whatever they want. So this is the way I see the Skyrim being remastered. It's that it's not. I don't think it's necessarily correct or or fair or whatever to compare how this remaster looks to the most highly modded Skyrim game. The way I see it is that this Skyrim remaster is going to act as a better base than the original game did. And then when people when people actually start creating mods and graphical mods and EMBs specifically for the remaster, then you compare the two and then see how much of an improvement it really is in terms of the old Skyrim games modded to hell and this new remastered game modded to hell because you're having a much better base to work from. Um, and I think then and there, people on the PC are really going to be appreciating this new game because, again, it, it acts as a much better base and then modders can really build on that, and I think it's going to make it much easier. And, and this is someone with no experience of modding, but it might make it a, a much easier and might make it look much nicer as an end product as opposed to working from the original game. But, Nova, what do you think about um, the $60 price point for, for Skyrim Remastered? Do you think it's oh, a value? or It's fine. The problem, the, what I, what's really getting to me are the people who are complaining who shouldn't be complaining. Like, do you mean they, they have no... People on PC are complaining... Nearly most people who have it people on PC, on PC own shouldn't the game. be complaining. They, they get, no. If they have everything, they get it for free. So even if they are, and I don't, I haven't seen much of that. To be fair, then no, they shouldn't be complaining. I'm more talking about those people that perhaps owned all, and, and you can only own the game and all DLC to justify your argument here. But let's say they owned everything, everything on Xbox 360 and everything on the PS3, whether physical or digital. Um, do you think it's fair for them to say this $60 price point is not value for me personally? Yeah, just don't buy it, dickhead. You've already <laughs> bought it twice. Like, why would you keep going down that rabbit hole? True, true. It is. Like, you, And then people are like, who are on PC saying like, oh, I can make my Skyrim look better with mods. I'm like, you can, but it's the time it will take you to do that combined <laughs> to like it's just a lot of it's like not worth it to yeah. take it to the point that the remaster looks from and just normal it'll take you a while yeah and then there's things like Peyton said it won't look as good hmm. as that but just I don't get people look, I, I, I think me. at this stage most people I, well I, I'll speak for myself here just getting a little bit tired and drained of, of negativity and constant complaining. The way I see it is that, especially, first of all, if you've never played Skyrim before, this is great value. $60 for a yeah. remastered game that was Game of the Year, you know... With um, all the DLCs. With all the DLC, critically acclaimed, and console modding that hopefully works on PS4 by the time it's released. That's great value. If you're on PC, you have nothing to complain about because you're literally getting the game for free, which I think mm. is completely fair. The difference is, is that if you've owned the game um, on Xbox 360 and the PS4 and all DLC, first of all, it's it's not Tough like... Tough shit, Dick. It, the way I'll say it is <laughs> it's not necessarily... Like, I, I can understand why you might see it's unfair because people on PC get it and for free and you don't necessarily get it. But the, the what I'll say is that it's practically very difficult from what I can see to prove that you owned all of that stuff, especially if you bought the physical copies, especially if you sold the physical copies, or maybe if you bought a second-hand version, whatever it is. If you have the, the game on your Xbox Live account or your PSN account, I think it's a different argument there. But at the very least, you are getting a remastered game. You are getting new features in console modding. You're getting all of the DLC, and maybe at, at one point you didn't actually own all the DLC. So I still think it's good value. And again, as Nova said, if you don't want to buy it, you just don't buy it. You've already played the game in the past, so that's what I'd say. Yeah. But I can understand those arguments of it being slightly unfair. I do. But I just think it's, it's practically impossible to combat that. Um, so we've got to the end of the Bethesda News Roundup. Now, I just want to talk to just to Payton about his experiences with modding, and we can use his NCR armor for Fallout 4 as a particular... Or his sheriff. Yeah. And do you know what I'm going to do? I'll get Maddie to link in the description below his uh, power armor for the NCR. 
Download it. I keep veteran armor. armor. It's an armor. Jesus Christ, girl. I keep saying power armor. It's a veteran armor. Da- um, download it. It is really good. I've done a video on it on my channel as well. But Peyton, do you, do you just want to describe the processes of you creating this armor? You can give us the uh, TLDR version if you want. But just creating this particular model, how it was like to try and port it into the game. Because I know that... Um, What's his name? Sovereign Warus, who just did a uh, Bioshock Power Armor, themed Power Armor. He yeah. initially had issues with trying to not create the model, but bring it into the game because there are a lot of technical things that you have to overcome. So just to explain to us, you can babble on for as long as you want about your experiences with modding in Fallout 4. Four hours right. later. Well, let's see. We started the MCR Ranger very, very shortly after Fallout 4 was released. Um, so the basic process is you got to create a base. It's something very simple, doesn't have any detail whatsoever. It's just a basic form. Mm. Um, originally, when I did that, I we didn't have any extraction tools for uh, the archives in the game yet. Yeah. So I just kind of built my own, and it wasn't very good. And, once we got the archive extractor, I was able to pull out the base male body from the game and convert that into a usable format. Mm. And from there, it's, it's really a matter of figuring out your proportions and trying to match that as best you can to the original. Mm. Obviously, I had to take into account a lot of things, like the original has a really flared-up duster. Yeah. Um, which would look horrible due to the cloth physics in Fallout 4. Mm. So you got to take a lot of those things into account when really recreating something for another game because it's more than just taking something from the previous title and implementing it into the New Age title because... Mm. You know, there's a lot of factors at play here, but the biggest thing to me is that the art style has changed. Yeah. You know, we're not going from Fallout 3 to New Vegas. There was no real change to the renderer. Nothing was really different. A lot of assets were reused, so the pipeline was the same. Mm. But that's all different in Fallout 4, so I didn't want to, you know, stick explicitly to the original. I wanted to adapt it to the new art style the same way the pre-existing stuff has been adapted in the official game. Mm. Um, So once you've got your base and your proportions are all worked out in a way that you find satisfying, then you got to go in and start doing detailing, which comes in stages. It's not just base cloth texture. Uh, it requires at least some knowledge of how fabric works in the real world. And you've got to find a good middle ground. Um, you know, if I sculpt this cloth to be a bunched up arm, as if the arm is at the right angle, yeah. and it's fully extended, it's still going to be um, folded that way. Hmm. So you've kind of got to think about how this particular area is going to interact in the game world, on the animation, and how it's going to look. So there's a lot of that involved. Mm. And beyond that, it's kind of boring to just have, like, draping cloth on long areas like the bottom of the duster. Mm. So I really wanted to go in and, I don't know if you've seen the high-resolution model for that, but you know, it's, it's almost crunchy. You know, I wanted to give off the appearance that this is some really, really old fabric. Yeah. It may not be, you know, dilapidated to the point where if you touch it, it'll crumble, Mm. but this is rough, this is dirty, it hasn't been washed all that much. So it's really stiff, it's really crisp. There isn't uh, any, like, memory folds from being folded or ironed or anything like that. It's Mm. all... Um, just totally compressed from being left around for years. Yeah. Um, so after you make your base model, and then you make your high-res model, once that's done, you have to go through a process called retopology, which is where you have to make the entire thing again. <laughs> wow. To uh, actually operate in-game. Uh, for the high-res model... 
you want everything to be generally a squared off polygon so that it all deforms well for sculpture. Yeah. But when you go into the game resolution model, um, obviously you can't use a cinematic resolution model in a video game. Mm. It's just going to crash the graphics card. So what you do is you rebuild it from the ground up to be far more simple. Um, And you really have to take into account how this simplified geometry will work again when it's connected to animations. For example, if you look at the uh, the picture of the female from Prey, and you see her arms. <laughs> <laughs> I love when this is gone. Gone. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm I'm in no position to speak poorly of any other artist, but that's generally caused by. Um, poor topology or maybe just poor rigging but if you do not actively think about how something will deform in game you're going to run into really annoying stuff like that where instead of um, folding onto itself as if it's overlapping it'll just bend and compress and turn into this tiny little space where everything else is bending space and time around it and it's just horrible so, so this sounds like a really convoluted, drawn-out process. I, I want to ask you at this stage, I just checked on the Nexus, this mod of yours has over 200,000 total downloads. Um, how long did it take you from start to finish to get this mod working? And we're not even considering updates to the Power Armor yet. How many hours did you actually put in just to get it out on, on an initial release? Roughly. Oh, God. Hours. That, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um well, a rough estimate. I, <laughs> let's see. I generally work on this stuff for at least a minimum of four hours a day, a maximum of 16 hours a day. Hmm. Um, Wait, still to the this day? NCR you mean, or like uh, previously. Yeah. So you, you still, on this mod, to, for updates and whatnot, work on it about four hours, at least four hours a day. Um, not that one in particular, across all of our current projects and oh, stuff okay. you guys haven't seen yet. Yeah. Um, but during the core development of each and every one of these mods, I generally focus on one per day. Okay. Um, so at the beginning, I was probably putting in at least eight hours a day on the Ranger. So equivalent to a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah, I'm currently unemployed, so this is what I do for fun. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, that's just probably, give, and you're probably doing that for maybe let let's say maybe a couple of months roughly. Well, it generally takes about two weeks to finish uh, one thing. I like to keep myself on a schedule. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but I do this uh, predominantly to work on my abilities as a character artist because I would like to get a job at a studio somewhere. Yeah. So I I don't like going with the whole I'll get to it when I get to it. I need to have some sort of time frame to stick to. Mm. So because this is a Bethesda game and you can zoom in all the way to the nanometer, I like to give myself a little extra time, two weeks per asset, and really just bring it to the quality that is present in the game. Mm. So... I probably work between 8 and 14 hours a day on average on the Ranger for two weeks. Um, so and... I'm going to do a quick calculation, all right? So I want to go 8 okay. times eight times 14, okay? Just, just, you know, 8 hours a day, 7 days a week for two weeks, right? Hundred mm-hmm. over a hundred hours it, it would have taken you at least, and and that's a conservative estimate to work on this one particular armor mod. W- would that be fair to say? Yeah, for the initial rollout, definitely. And and again, as you said, for the initial rollout, 
and then you still have to update this mod, potentially add new features, fix bugs, fix compatibility with other kinds of mods. So the reason why I wanted to have this discussion, and it's because it touches on the topic from the previous weeks on this podcast, is that modding is fucking hard and it's time consuming. I mean, this one armor mod, at the very least for an initial rollout, would have taken Peyton over 100 hours. So at least, hopefully, this makes people appreciate some of the work and the hard work and, and you know time and resources that go into making just one mod. And, and I think this way, maybe people would appreciate modders a little bit more and they're not just people on the internet that release things for fun. Like Sometimes it, it is a lot of fucking hard work. From my perspective anyway, so I don't want to speak for you, Peyton, but I see it as fucking hard work and I still think you guys should get compensated, but that's a whole other topic for another day. So thank you, thank you for that though. I, I really do appreciate it. And now we can actually yeah. get onto um, the games that we've been playing and our favorite news bit. So Nova, you've been quiet for a little bit. So let's talk about the games Hello. you've been playing and maybe your favorite news bit. Up to you. Okay. Well, clearly some Overwatch. Yeah. I've been loving me some Overwatch lately. Mm. Uh, with Ana coming out, fucking Beast with seventy six. You Nova's took those a really two. Good Anna. Yeah. I'm not even that good. I, I've just kind of got in early while everyone else is still going, you know what, our team needs 12 honors. Yep. And no, because you just queue 76 while he's queuing, and then you just destroy everyone. But no, yeah, <laughs> Overwatch. Um, that's about it. I'm kind of just waiting for We Happy Few and Voltec Workshop to come out. I still think you that. should choose We Happy Few over Voltec Workshop. And that's I'm, coming from I'm a going fan. I'm going to play both. Jesus, <laughs> I'm just going. I, well, I also I thought I thought Workshop was coming out on the 25th. It's coming on the 26th. So well, 26th for America, but so 27th for us. I think. Yes. I think. I think so confusing. I don't know. Check Steam. Steam will tell you the correct answer. <laughs> I don't know how you guys deal with time conversions. It's. I don't really. I kind of just sit and go, uh, and yeah. then it happens. Studios usually tell us, like, they'll say Australian time or whatever, or if they just give us one date, then we'll convert it. But sometimes what they do is say, all right, 26th of July, and then it'll come out for us 26th of July, but in America, it's the next day. So it can get confusing, and but, you know, it's not the end of the world. Um, I've been playing Overwatch with Nova, though, and the news bit... We still need to play Evolve. I still need to play Evolve, I know. But the news bit that I was actually going to talk about and i forgot and i've remembered again the new mini nes that's coming out from nintendo have you guys seen that shit fucking awesome no, what what except who you, you, i have a... did you see it nova i'm googling it, it now it get off my back so, sorry sorry uh, payton do you know what it is as well no is it just a re-release of so the old nes it's, it's a mini nes like think of your typical nes that big bulky box it's a mini nes and it comes with 30 games built in. And it's selling for like yeah. 60 bucks in America. And I think it's like 99 or something in Australia. Um, and it's just like a nostalgia box, essentially. You can't add more games to it. It's, it can't connect to the internet. It's just, here's a mini NES. Here's the 30 games that you all know and love. There you go. I think it's fucking cool. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to try and get it. It's sold out already in Australia, which is annoying. And I think maybe... Yeah, I know. But... I, I don't know, I, I think this is really cool. But anyways, Peyton, what have you been playing? Aside from all your modding uh, experiences, what, what have you been playing this week? Oh, what have I been playing? Um, let's see, I play a lot of Stalker. Oh, okay. Predominantly Call of Pripyat. Yeah. Um, the only real other games I play are obviously Fallout games. Hmm. I've been playing a lot of uh, Red Orchestra 2 lately, mm-hmm. and my annual favorite, DayZ, which just Ooh. got a new update a little while ago. Did it? Yeah, uh, 0.60. I don't know if you've already played that, but that's that, what I was waiting on. Does that mean it's play that. beta? I or, like it, oh, it, it's fucking yeah. going to be beta till I, I will die before it goes into beta. Goes <laughs> out of beta, I mean. Um, for reference, I have over a thousand hours in that game. Hmm. In DayZ? Yep. Hold Jesus on. Jesus Christ. A thousand hours in DayZ. 
I oh, have one thousand two hundred and twenty. How <laughs> how much fake walking have you done? <laughs> too much. Ha, ha, Way well, too much. On. It's just a lot of distance. How do you play this game for over a thousand hours? Uh, well, I really enjoy the isolationist survivalist attitude that the game I've presents. Got forty-seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. My roommate used to say that you're totally obsessed with this game, and I was like, yeah, because this is what I want to do. If I can ever, you know, make it big in life, I'm just going to grab a backpack and go off into the mountains, because this is great. That's awesome. This is what I love. That's awesome. I mean, I can't talk. I have a spot, so, uh, like a soft spot for just space driving. Like, not dri- flying games, where you just, like, sit in a spaceship alone like by yourself. Effect. Flying away. Hmm. No, fuck, hey, fuck off with Mass Effect. How do you not like, you said you like space games and flying. How do you not like Mass Effect? Oh, oh, you have no idea how bad my experience with Mass Effect has been. I I bought all three of them on Origin. Hmm. None of them worked. All three of them did not work. That sucks. I am so angry about that. Wow. You know, Mass Effect is the closest I've come to crying in the last 11 years. I almost cried as well, but for different reasons. (laughs) The game just (laughs) won't work! (laughs) It just doesn't work. Uh, That's awesome. Um, And Peyton, any other news bit you want to talk about, or are you happy to move on to the fan questions for the podcast? Uh, I think we already talked about the System Shock reboot getting funded. No, we talked about it beforehand. We talked about it beforehand, but but we can talk about it now. System Shock reboot. So... That has been funded on Kickstarter, uh, and it's still reaching a number of its stretch goals. And also this week it was... I'm Googling. Yes. Yeah. Tell, me, tell me the amount, because it's a stupid amount. Uh, I will. Uh, it's $1,125,763. Like, and even in the midst of you know Mighty Number no. 9 and all these other Kickstarters that have failed, you know, th- there is still a game here in, in System Shock receiving over a million dollars of funding from people. Um, and it's going to be on PS4 now as well. That was announced this week. It reached its funding goal, and it's reaching stretch goals. Um, and, of course, this is the um, pre-successor, or the, like, I, I guess... The spiritual what I, ex- No, what success. I should say is that Bioshock and okay. Deus Ex are the spiritual successors to System Shock. Um, yes. and, and I believe Ken Levine worked on the original System Shock, from memory? Don't know. Uh, I can't say. No, but... I, I'm excited for this. How about you, Peyton? Are you, are you excited for the remaster? I am very excited. Actually, I'm going through the Kickstarter right now. Yeah, same here. I, I wish I had money to throw at this. I've thrown my money, and Lauren keeps going. I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it. it. I promise. You won't. You I... won't. I just. Oh, you mean like how are you going to play Soma? Showdown beckons you long. You need to donate. You had a shoe in for Soma, and you just put Borderlands there. I'm so angry with you about that. Listen, Nova, I will. Like you know, I will play, and that's just so. No, I don't. How long have you been playing Metro for? (laughs) Three years. (laughs) This will never end. I'm getting there. I'm I'm just caught in between so many games. All right, I'm sorry. I'll I'll play it after Metro. You've been playing Metro for about two years now. Oh, you know what? Fuck See, you I just want to pledge three hundred and fifty dollars because I already look like a corpse, and if I do that, <laughs> then I get to be a corpse. No, just, just, just say every corpse is yours. Like I, I modeled that one. No one will be able to deny <laughs> it. Like sure. Where's your Kickstarter receipt? Uh, you know, it's over there. What's the mail? But it's me. I swear, I'm it's me. <laughs> yeah, that that's me. Totally, totally modeled after me. Uh, that's awesome. But I, I played the demo for System Shock. It looks great, and Especially that moment where you walk into the door and the music starts playing, the violin and everything, and you look outside to the, the planet. Oh, like that was such a beautiful moment. And I, I, I can't wait to play this game. Again, because I like Bioshock, but also as well, I can see the potential in it. Just just that one moment with no context, with no voice acting, nothing. It just sends, you know, tingles down my spine. So Speaking of System Shock reboot and bethesda yeah when are you guys gonna have john Lobe on stream we need to organize that all right l- l- let me explain to you the the process of us getting guests on this podcast <clears throat> i wake up on a saturday morning and i message maddie at like 7 a.m in bed hey maddie have you got any guests for today's podcast oh no man 
and then we try and get a guest. Literally, that's how it's been for the past fucking several months. And that's how I keep getting and it's on bad. this fucking shit. That's how Nova gets on. Peyton was free today, so you know that was great to get him on as a guest. Maddie and Noah told me yesterday that they couldn't do the podcast, so now I have to send this to Maddie. But we're very, very unorganized on this podcast, and it makes sense in terms of like the haphazard nature of when we talk. But in terms of being an organized podcast, we can definitely do better in that regard. So guess like that, we we need to be a bit more structured with it, um, and we're definitely going to try and improve. I'll push for it anyways with, with, with Maddie and Noah. Oh. I'm sure you know that he worked for Bethesda for a goddamn long time, and he's now working on the System Shock reboot. So I think we need to tr- since try. you're a fan, yeah, definitely, yeah. I agree. But will he want to talk to you, people like Larry? God what? no! It's oh, a yeah. radio podcast, man. <laughs> he, you, you'll, yeah. you'll, he'll message him. He's like, "How did you get this number?" <laughs> Oh, come on, Nova, don't you know? Who dis? Wrong phone. My name is Alone But Wanderer, didn't you know? <laughs> no, I don't. Alrighty, so now we're going to no, um, we're gonna answer fan questions to end this podcast. We've been going for about 55 minutes or so, which is pretty good, so we'll get over an hour. And I'm looking through my Twitter feed because I tweeted this out. And Rachel asked a question, and I feel like because it's Rachel, we need to answer it. I'm sure you'd agree, Nova. Um, but it's a pretty good I'm question as well. The question is, what is one game you went into thinking you were going to hate, but ended up being a pleasant surprise? We'll start with you, Peyton. Oh. Oh, God. Um, Mountain Blade. Okay. Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> You've never heard of it, really? <laughs> What's Mountain oh, my Blade? Goodness. Mountain Blade is this rather absurd, uh, generally top-down medieval combat game that explores both medieval combat as well as uh, the concept of royalty and a bunch of people fighting for the crown. Yeah. Um, for the most part, it's pretty goddamn boring. It has a uh, bird's-eye view of this big old game world where you just kind of go around and not really do a whole lot. It's a pseudo RPG, mm. but it has an incredible, incredible combat system. Um, okay. Once you run into an enemy, it's usually a band of enemies. Mm. It'll switch to like a battle scene, yeah. and um, the combat is wholly controlled directionally. Mm. So it's uh, it's sort of like uh, chivalry, where you know you click and you swing and you do a different click and you swing a different way. Okay. Except you actually click while you're dragging in a certain direction mm. and your character will drag his sword that way. So it's if if you're interested at all in uh, sword fighting practically, okay. that Mountain Blade is an extremely enjoyable game and the mods for it are absolutely insane. Is it sold in Steam? Uh, yes. Cool. All There's right. three of them. The third one sucks. Uh, they're coming out with a new one now, and that looks really good. righty. Well, what about you, Nova? What what game that you go in thinking you were going to hate, but you loved it? Okay, well, to begin with, if I think I don't like a game, I just don't buy it, to be honest. Okay, but I the game I, you gave a chance. Okay, here we, here, here, these, are, these are my examples. So, and none of them are like, I thought I was going to super hate them. It was like, Life is Strange, I got gifted it. I don't think it's the best game ever, but I thought it was better than what yeah. I expected. Yeah. But that wasn't high to be hate. And then, to be honest, Witcher 3. I went in, I, I love it, but I went in with my brother fucking hyping it out the end. Like, he's like, this is the second, this is Citizen Kane of games. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, I was like, this is getting etchy territory. And then I was like, I don't want to have to pay, like, so it's still like 60 bucks mm. for ages. So I was like, I, I was like, I'll probably have fun with it, but I don't pay that much for it. And then I finally picked it up a while ago. Fucking brilliant. Fair it was enough. great. Um, the story that I've already told in the past is, it's kind of answering this question, but not really, but I played Borderlands 1 initially by myself, and I didn't really get into it, and I actually returned it. And then my friend was like, we should play this game, uh, we'll play it together, it'll be so much better, I promise. So that second time around, I went into it thinking I wouldn't actually like it that i'd hate it because i'd already returned this game and gave it a good chance but then i ended up being very pleasantly surprised because i was playing with a friend it just made the game 
so 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 much more better and now when i go play it and you know just me i enjoy it so much more because i know how how good it is how solid it is and how fine it can be so it would definitely be borderlands for me um what other questions do we have here uh where's the itunes version of last week's podcast asked by call Fuck off, that's where because fuck, maddie is a lazy fuck that's why <laughs> um which fallout ask these three people who have no idea no i have no fucking idea <laughs> um what else we need a oh, political question we don't we don't want that fine we're gonna answer this because people fucking always ask us it at b erickson 95 asks which fallout title is your favorite and why Four. i swear every time we're talking about something Four. else or if i'm streaming personally this argument always comes out nova what is your favorite fallout title Four. Really? Four is actually my favorite. There's a lot of there's I, there's a lot of things I don't like with four. I'll be honest. Yeah. But there's like so much I really enjoy. Okay. I I I, speci- I really like the voice acting in the game. I'm one of the one hundred one of a hundred people who do. Yeah. Uh, I I like the settlement building. I didn't think the story. Everyone's like the story's the worst. I hate you. I'm like no, it's fine. I I don't it's better mind than it. Fallout Three. Without a doubt. Oh, it's no, but they're like, oh, you don't get much. You're like, oh, you don't, you know, you're you're stuck in a character. I'm like, the start of Fallout Three, you're forced to be a little vault boy who picks on Butch the lesbian. Um, <laughs> my mom's stuck with the rare roaches. <laughs> my mom's stuck in there with the weird roaches. <laughs> Help me. Um, I, like gunplay is not the biggest thing. Like I'm not rain, but I I didn't like. I was like, oh god, they finally fixed that. Yeah, it was anyone. Fallout 3 New Vegas gunplay was just dreadful. Fair like, enough. hands down, broken. Um, I like... I lo- it looks... I think the art style... I just... There's a lot of things I like with Fallout 4 that I probably go... And also, it's probably the newest as well. Mm. What, what about you, Payton? Which Fallout game do you prefer? You know, that's really difficult. I really love them all. Yeah. So instead yeah, of giving my favourite... Yeah. I will tell everyone that I have never finished Fallout 2. Alright, fair enough. Two. I never played Fallout 2. <laughs> I, I never made it past the Temple forward. of Trials. Fair enough. I, I played a good chunk of Fallout 1. I know I got pretty far into the game, but then I stopped playing for reasons. But my favorite, and this is purely for nostalgic reasons, nothing else, is Fallout 3. Fallout it, was, 3. it was a game that got me into the series. The game that I, you know, that spurred my love for Fallout, that initially wanted me to create a channel based on Fallout, it, it was definitely Fallout 3, and, you know, I'm not trying to compare graphics or mechanics or any of that stuff, it's purely nostalgic, I, I, I completely get that, um, and I know there's going to be a flame one comment about Fallout 3 versus New Vegas, anyways, re- re- regardless, um, let's ask this question, at SwaggyBooty2 asked, great username, um, if you were on a deserted island and, uh, if you were on a deserted island... God damn which, it, not this question. Which of your best Pokemon Go Pokemon would you eat first? Now, now let's say, forget Pokemon Go Pokemon. Let's just say first-gen Pokemon. All right? Nova, which Charizard. Pokemon would you eat first? It'd be, it would be Roasty. Wait, why would... Wait, wait, wait. That makes no sense. Why can't we just, like, fly... Pokemon can move. Why can't we just surf away? Okay, let, let, let's say we, we can't do that. Let's say your Pokemon are injured, all right? Like, they're di- life-threatening injuries, and you can only... You need food, all right? But you can only nurse back to health, like, one of them, not, and not two of them. Whatever. Some st- stupid context. And I'll nurse, nurse back to Charizard and fly away, ch- chomping down on my Squirtle. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about you, Ben? Um, I only know, like, three Pokemon, so I'm just gonna go with... Pikachu, I guarantee it. <laughs> I was thinking about it, and then I realized I'm pretty sure he's furry as hell. Yeah, oh, that'd be awful. Wouldn't be nice. Probably Bulbasaur. Yeah? He's just a plant. But that's a good thing. If yeah. he keeps growing stuff off his back, like, let's say Venusaur. Venusaur keeps growing shit off his back. You could live off Venusaur forever. What if, what if, but when you pull one of the leaves off, he just bleeds and screams? Like, <laughs> so it's just horrendous. That's Isn't terrible. there an episode where, like, Charmander almost dies because his tail goes out yeah, or something? Yeah. I actually just recently watched that, funny enough. Um, it's all, they're all on Netflix. 
Um, I don't understand the purpose of that. It, it yeah, that just, just seems like bad design. It's bad design. It is bad because if it like rains or if you get a splash of water, your Pokemon is dead. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love it if in break if you're fighting them and you just like surf and he just instantly dies. <laughs> like, what um, are you gonna stick. go up against any water Pokemon? Yeah. No, no, bro. Just knock out. That's dead. True. True. I'm, I'm trying to think which Pokemon would be, like, it'll probably be like a, ah. Uh... Machomp. I take my mind. Machomp. Why Machomp? It's Machomp, by the way. Is it Machomp? I don't give a fuck. Machop. You confuse me. <laughs> I would say, do one thing what really disturbs me about the anime. I never watched it, so whenever I do occasionally watch it, how instead of just making noise, they say their names every time it fucking terrifies me. I don't I like it. it. Square It's so annoying. Oh, like, shut up! <laughs> I don't get why they can say their names. Like, does that mean uh, they learnt their names, or do they go, "That's guy saying Squirtle"? That, that's the that. language, right? It, look, first of all, it is lazy um, voice acting, very. But I don't know. I, I guess it's cool. Like, you got attached to it. It's nostalgia. I got more attached to the just the weird noises my Game Boys would uh, throw out at me quite horrendously. Okay, I, I have an answer, and this is because. It's the fattest Pokemon. Snorlax. No, you don't. Snorlax. You can't eat fat. You can't eat fat. Yeah. Why not? So you need muscle. You need muscle. You can't eat it's muscle or fat. You need. He's not all fat. He's. he's, he's oh, he's fat. No, he's he's tubs. You have to go muscle, idiot. You know what, Nova? Fuck you. You're dying on that island, dipshit. <laughs> Fine, I'll go with like Venusaur because he's a plant. Okay. Whatever. You're just killing Ethan's answer now. God, <laughs> where do you get off? God, you're such a plagiarist, mate. Um, let's ask one last question, and I want to do this for Maddie. <clears throat> At Ben the Nerd asks, should PlayStation get backwards compatibility, maybe oh, no. even being able to play PSP games on Vita? No, no, no. The PS Vita is dead, okay? <laughs> I, I, I will actually second that. It's kind of hilarious. Somewhere, Maddie will be listening to this, getting very angry. But it's—I I, I, I imagine Maddie. Maddie's the kind of the person that would always carry his Vita around with him. <laughs> I got—I got given a PSP for free. Someone gave just—I don't even know who. Someone just gave me it. My brother had three of them. Fair enough. He's just. No one really wanted them by the sounds of things. <laughs> I, look, I had a PSP at one stage, and I had Final Fantasy Crisis Core. You know, I, I did have fun with it, I'm not going to lie, but times have changed now. People all have mobile, smartphones, etc. There is no real need for a dedicated handheld gaming device, unless you're a, a 3DS, which itself isn't yeah. doing all that flash recently anyways. But we've gotten to the end of this podcast. It's been about over an hour. So thank you, Nova. Thank you, uh, Peyton or Dogtooth, for joining us for this podcast. Um, and as always, we'd like to get the guests to end the podcast. So Peyton, would you like Peyton. to end the podcast as, <laughs> however you see fit? And I want to stop, talk- stop talking. Nova, thank you so much. And we'll see you, you again next love. time. All yours, Peyton. Okay. Um, I'm going to go get more coffee and then make more armor. Thanks for having me on. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.